Good morning. Oh, that was, I mean, it's Halloween, guys. Good morning. Come on. I'm sure you guys have had plenty of candy already, right? Well, if you're new here and first time or just been here a few times or maybe you've been here a lot and you don't know my name and that means I'm doing a bad job as the full groups minister, my name is LJ, um, the full groups minister. Hey, hey, how are you doing? Um, and uh, get the privilege, privilege to speak this morning. And it is Halloween. You know, we talk about all these weird pagan holidays we have, and Halloween's definitely up there. I love it, though. But my favorite holiday related to Halloween, though, is the day after. Because then I can walk into Walmart and buy all that candy for half price. And that's a much better version of Halloween than what today is. So for the kids in here, because I see a few, you know, just... Make sure you get your family to take you uh, by Walmart or CVS afterwards tomorrow and get that half-price candy. Because uh, that's what I do. I'll be there after work getting all my sweet tarts and sweet tart Laffy Taffy because I love sweet tarts. It's amazing. So anytime we do like a staff appreciation, get me a bunch of sweet tart stuff. That'd be great. <laughs> but anyways, I'm just going to start with a quick story that um, I really haven't told much, but it's a fun little story. Um, just about four or five years ago, I was in college at the great North Greenville University, and um, it was near the end of kind of my time there. A lot of my friends had graduated, so it was just me, my buddy Blake, and uh, two guys named Colin and Jacob who lived together in a dorm. Now, fun fact about North Greenville, there's not a single dorm room that holds four people. There's not a single one, but we decided to live together. It was amazing and miserable at the same time. That's just the backstory. So we did everything together. And um, Jacob was like the big production guy at North Greenville. So he did all their sound for like theater, for everything. It was a lot. And we're like, let's get dinner. And he's like, yo, I have this thing tonight. I need to go do this. Let's go after. So we're going to wait. We're going to wait to go get dinner. It turns out calf gets closed because he's still not back. And... At that point, you know, that's free food. So we're like, now we have to go out to eat. And it gets like 9.30, 9.45, he finally gets back. And he's like, hey, sorry, guys, let's go get something to eat. So we're mad because everything's closed because North Greenville's in the middle of nowhere. And the closest thing is Traveler's Rest. And if you guys know anything about Traveler's Rest, it's not popping either. So everything's closed there. Um, and he suggests, and this is where it all starts going downhill, he suggests, guys, I know this great place that we can get some wings. We're four dudes in college. We love eating wings. It's amazing. But he says, let's go to the pump house. If you guys don't know, the pump house is a miserable-looking dive bar close to Cherrydale that's just bikers and bar people. Like, you know, like the person you look at and you're like, that person goes to bars. Just has that look, like they're rough, they're rugged probably been in a few fights. That's what the pump house is. And so we're like, we're willing to do anything at this point besides go to Waffle House because we've gone there so much. So we drive there, get there like 10, 15. They're like, kitchen closed at 10. We're like, we're like mad at this dude. Like we're like actually mad because we're all starving. We're all hangry at this point. And we're like yelling at him and just like, yo, this was so stupid. Why are you doing this? Like, why would you suggest this? Like, it's crowded with bikers and all sorts of miserable stuff. And we decided to go look at some other places, like Olive Garden or somewhere else. Everything's closed. And we're all getting so mad and stressed that 
our buddy Colin, who's like this perfect, good, goody two-shoes kind of guy, like doesn't like getting in trouble, like followed the rules of Joyful Sound, this group that I was in, like to the T. Um, he accidentally ran a red light because we were just shouting and yelling at each other, and he like lost his mind at us because he ran a red light, like yelled at us, was getting angry, maybe a few expletives. It was, it was tough, and we're like, whoa, Colin, calm, calm down, bro. Like it's, this isn't like you, and... Um, what ended up happening was like 11.30, we finally went to Waffle House, and we sat in silence, ate our food, and uh, went home and probably all got in bed, just looked at our phones, we were just all mad at each other, and just like, took like four extra hours to finally eat dinner. So yeah, all right, so um, last week, don't worry, I'll get to the point of that, I promise. Um, last week, Phil spoke an amazing message about the church and kind of the generosity of the church and the miracles they were performing and the people that they were bringing in daily and um, all that was really a result of God. God's characters, God's love, um, all that came from him. And it's really a perfect kind of setup into where Acts is going. Um, and for you guys that don't kind of know or realize, like, you know, we're in Acts because this is the year of the kingdom. We're looking at the actions of the church, how they lived, how they behaved, and in a way for us to become convicted and become in a way like that church so we can bring the love, bring the joy of Christ, bring who he is to the people of Greenville, live out our mission and on mission. Um, so we're going to be in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, if you guys want to start turning there. And um, this is kind of like one of the, kind of a big precursor to um, just the persecution that the church faced and all sorts of things that happened in Acts, um, but I'm going to go ahead and start reading. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. Now let's just pause for a second. Um, one, that a, a gate is called beautiful is weird. Like, I've never looked at a gate and gone, man, that's really beautiful. I'm sure there's places out there, but that's just weird. Um, but I'm sure it's their language, but we're not even going to really mess with that. Um, but this man, we're going to kind of look at him for a second. This, this cripple, this paralyzed man who was lame from birth. Um, he's very smart in a way, and at least maybe the people that carried him there are smart as well. Because he knows where to go to get money. Um, he goes to the temple, he sits outside the gate, knowing that if these people who are going into this temple are true practicing Jews, true practicing maybe Christians, even though the Christians were only around for a little time at this time, would give him money, would give him alms, that he would receive some kind of assistance so he could get food, so he could just have a little money to get by, because he couldn't work or do anything on his own. He, he's been lame from birth. Um, and so he's clearly got a knowledge of the faith, a knowledge of what the Jewish practice is, what the teaching is, he might as well have been Jewish himself, um, or maybe grown up in that way, maybe around there, probably, you know, um, so we know that, and, you know, the interesting part is that, you know, he came to the temple, came to sit at the gate, um, expecting to get some money, expecting to get some change, um, but the beautiful part about the story is going to be that Jesus had other plans for him that day, um, so let's just keep reading. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. 
But Peter said, I do not have silver or gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up, started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they're filled with awe and astonishment at what happened to him. So uh, this is like a, almost like a simple healing story that we've seen so many times in the Bible. Um, we're going to kind of look at Peter and John and how bold and courageous they were and how they invoked the name of Jesus to heal this man. Because not, not, not even like six or seven chapters before this in John, Peter denies Christ. Like just, just six, seven chapters. I know in a book-wise, timeline-wise, it's weird, but that's not that long ago. And the reason we can experience that and, and he can do that and have this, this boldness and this courageous isn't from a form of status, a form of leadership, a form of taking over or responsibility, but solely because of the spirit that now lives in him. Solely because he is filled with the spirit and lives in faithful obedience to do as that spirit leads. Um, and I had the benefit of going to New Orleans in August. And if you guys kind of heard about that trip, it was an amazing trip with like, I mean, stuff that I've never seen, like actual miracles, actual like incredible life change. Um, a man's leg was like in a ton of pain and, you know, was prayed over and like all the pain was gone. felt like he could walk on it again. Um, some amazing stuff. And it's, it's funny because I can sit up here and teach and talk to you guys and not really be nervous and scared about in the moment. But in New Orleans, like, you can ask people that went, like, I was a baby. Like, I was terrified of talking to the homeless, to the people on the streets. Like, I, I was terrified. And everyone else that went was like, they were amazing guys. Like, truly amazing because what what so many people on the team did that week was faithfully and boldly listen to the Holy Spirit in those moments to where we got to see healing to where we got to see people come to Christ there was a moment where one night we were in the French Quarter and I remember we were kind of wrapping up our route that we were doing my group and there was this guy at the end of it who was just angry, yelling at everybody, cursing them out for no reason, just like going crazy. And I'm like, we're not messing with that. We're not, we're not, we're not touching that. We're not getting yelled at, you know, caring about the safety of the group. And um, like as a name dropped and uh, he, he'd appreciate it. But my boy, Scott, Scott Brown, um, who's usually here, he does a lot of street ministry. His group came back around. And he just walked right up to him like, hey, bro, how you doing? I was like, I'm going to have to go protect Scott because Scott's little. I don't know if you guys have seen him. This dude's big, massive, just yelling, getting angry. And that moment, um, like that guy received Christ. Like the anger disappeared. They told him about the peace and comfort and love of Jesus. And Scott literally said to the guys, like, I had no idea that was a thing. He's like, I didn't know that peace and comfort existed. And the crazy and beautiful thing is, is how the spirit works and is how it's so similar to what Peter did here, is that man received Christ, received the spirit, and in turn saw a lady in a wheelchair and said, can I go pray for her healing? They walked up and prayed for her healing. 
and, and, and it was awesome to be able to say that she got up out of her wheelchair. She didn't, but he faithfully felt the leading of the Spirit and said, let me pray for her. Right in that moment, the Spirit was there. The Spirit was moving. And in New Orleans, we experienced that so much. It was so incredible. And I wish, I wish that I was as bold as a lot of the people that went with us. Because um, I missed out. I was scared. I was out of my comfort zone. I decided to stay on the boundaries, stay out of, you know, the danger zone of what, you know, ministry looks like, of what living kingdom lifestyle looks like. Um, it was amazing getting to witness it, getting to be a part of it. And the thing is, though, we don't have to go to a place like New Orleans to experience that. Like, I don't have to go overseas. I don't have to go to a dark place where Jesus hasn't been mentioned at all to experience what the Spirit is wanting to do. To experience how the Spirit is supposed to move. Like, that healing, that just random guy who's angry and yelling at everyone, experiencing Jesus through Scott and that group, and receiving Christ is his Savior and Spirit is something that can happen in your grocery store when you talk to someone. can happen at your job. can can happen anywhere that we just do our daily lives at. And, you know, oftentimes we're just too, too scared. I'm too scared. You know, I'm, 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 I'm afraid. I, I don't like getting out of my comfort zone too much. And I can sit in a room right here and be the center of attention, no problem. But I had trouble going up to somebody and being like, hey, like, let me tell you about Jesus. So this message, in, in part, you know, is just as much to me. But, you know, there's two things that we can really address from this passage and really look at with, with how we get here, how we get where we're going in Acts, how we get where this book is meant to lead us um, as a church. Because as, as we talked about, you know, this is the year of the kingdom. The year of the kingdom isn't just some, like, cool phrase we came up with to, like, be like, yeah, we're year of the kingdom. Let's have all these cool messages and sermon series, but it's this this point where we're at as a church to where our mission isn't just about growing the fold and the flock here, but it's about reaching those in Greenville. It's about bringing that wholeness and healing through Christ Jesus to those around us. It's about convicting our hearts for those that we work with, for those that we walk with, for anyone that's in our lives that oftentimes we don't want to get involved with because it's messy and hard. There's two things, two things that we're just going to kind of address from this passage that, that we're going to take away. Um, and the first, kind of looking at the, the crippled, is, is in a way the first healing. You know, if you're here this morning, maybe you're like the crippled. Maybe you're like the guy sitting outside the temple. You know, maybe you know, you know about Jesus. Maybe you know about religion. Maybe you know about church. Maybe you came this morning, or maybe you've been coming your whole life to church to find out about right and wrong, find out about good versus evil, or just maybe to feel good, or maybe you're searching for something and you don't know what it is. Um, maybe you came expecting something, like the crippled, but what you really need is Jesus this morning. Maybe instead of looking around at a bunch of restaurants, you go to the Waffle House finally, like you should have been. Um, that's the point, you guys. That's the whole point of the story. Uh, maybe this morning you need Jesus. Maybe that's the first step for you this morning. Because without Jesus, the whole spirit, the spirit living within us, dwelling within us, so we can participate in kingdom living, can't happen. Like, if you're not with Jesus, if you're not following him, if you're not devoted to him, if you haven't surrendered your life, 
the spirit, the, the thing that we're talking about where Peter and John lived boldly and chose to live in faithful obedience, that can't happen without Jesus. That's what comes first. The second thing is maybe in another way, you're also like the crippled, you're also like the beggar. And a lot of times we think about the heroes in the Bible and we, how we can't be like them. Um, when the only hero in the Bible is Jesus, but in lots of ways, we need to be like Peter and John. And oftentimes, we're probably sitting right outside the temple. We probably have like just a foot in. Probably like I was in New Orleans where I was like, I was okay just sitting on the sidelines watching everyone else be faithful and obedient to the Spirit and how they were leading. And a lot of times, what that really means and what that really looks like, I find it interesting because one of the phrases I hear my generation talk a lot about and say a lot is I hate people. Now, I'm sure everyone in this room has said, I hate people. Right? I've, I've honestly heard half of you say that myself, so like, there's no hiding it. Um, and it's because people are messy. Like People are difficult, and the thing is our lives have their own difficulties and their own sadness and burdens and worries that we deal with ourselves that we tell ourselves, well, I don't have time for that. I can't deal with someone else's mess. I can't walk in someone else's issues. And, and, this, and to be honest, like, I get it. For those of you guys that maybe know Enneagram language or not, I'm an eight. What that essentially means is I hate letting people in. I hate letting people get close because then they have some kind of control in my life. And it hurts when people hurt you, like, deeply, and they have that control. Like, it causes a lot of pain, and we choose not to let people in because of that. Um, but people's lives are messy. Our lives are messy. One of the beautiful things about the Spirit and about the kingdom and what kingdom living looks like is for us to walk together in the mess so, one, we can be together in community. It's one of the reasons we have bold groups. It's, it's, it's literally the way we structure the church here in the sense of how we do life together and why we have our volunteers and our missions and anything we do run through fold groups is because we know there's a support structure there. We know that there's people in fold groups that love each other, that are there for one another, and when everything gets messy and the mission of life gets hard, you can come back to your fold group and be like, hey, like, this was tough today. Like, today sucked. This week has been bad. And those people are there for you to love you and I promise most of your folk group leaders, and if you sign up and get to know your folk group leader, they're going to know you, they're going to know your kid's name, they're going to know your parent's name, they're going to know everything about you because they love you and they want to be there for you. They want to support you. And we structure it that way because we know, we know the missional life is, is hard. A lot of times we can pour ourselves out completely and never be filled, but with folk groups, with working in community, with working with family, we're constantly trying to pour into you. We're constantly trying to provide support and love and encouragement and be there for you. And so to live this spiritual, you know, missional lifestyle, it is hard, it is messy. And one of, one of the shows I'm watching right now, I'm not going to name the show because I can't technically recommend it. Um, it's a good show. But uh, there's a quote in there that was said, and I really liked it, and I really liked it just because it fits in the context of this message. And two, it just fits in the context of life and what our spiritual journey is supposed to look like with those around us. And the quote is, embrace the mess 
because that's where the good stuff is. But I would, I would change the context just a little bit, just a little bit for this message and for what our Christian life is meant to be like and for what, how we are supposed to view each other and how we're supposed to live close and in family and in groups and in a way that we can be there to then go out and live on mission. I would just change it to embrace the mess because that's where Jesus is. That's where Jesus lives. Jesus is in our mess. Jesus is in other people's mess. And the thing is, we need to walk alongside him. We need to be there, right there in the mess with him because that's where he wants to work. That's where he wants to do, do the most life change. That's where he wants to break change. That's where he wants to heal. That's where he wants miracles to happen. And it's just such a beautiful place to be when it comes to living a life fulfilled in the spirit. When you finally walk through the temple gate and finally get into the church and finally get to where Jesus really wants you to be because it's a life of abundance. And that's, that's kind of what we're seeing right now with Peter and John. They've experienced their first healing. The spirit came at Pentecost and they've received it. And they now know, they now have the leading, the guiding in their life of that spirit who leads them to boldly take a man's hand who is crippled and raise him up. Not just tell him to get up, but to raise him up, knowing that God will be faithful and heal him. To live this life is, is hard, it's messy, it is tough, but it's worth it. It's worth it always because life is abundant with Christ. Life is better with Christ. Life is better than just being on the edge, living at the, the boundary lines. Because I used to think for the longest time, let's just get saved so I can get to heaven. And I, and I, feel, I feel so much of the church feels that way. And, and, and for, for me and for my calling where I feel like God has led me in life through discipleship and training people and equipping them. And the reason I, I felt so strongly about that and, and wanted to kind of let that be my call in life is because I know Jesus has so much more than just salvation. Like that's, that's, that's the big part, but like Jesus offering more, like he's like getting saved is just the first step. There's so much more. There's so much more to, to be offered to you. You just got to continue taking the steps. So embrace the mess. Be with Jesus. Follow where the spirit leads, whether that's in the grocery store and you know, he tells you to go talk to some random person about Jesus. Like, that's hard. It is. Whether that's at work and, you know, you know your coworkers and get to know their family lives, get to know how they're doing, understand where they're coming from, and just be present with them. Jesus calls us to live life with people, not just people who are like us, people who are at the fold, people who are in our fold group. But to those around you, your coworkers, maybe family members that don't know the Lord, maybe people who have opposing viewpoints, because there's a lot of those today. But embrace the mess. Follow the Spirit. Go where He leads. Let's pray. Dear Lord, just pray right now for for healing, for the first healing, for the first spiritual healing, God. And if someone in here doesn't know you, that hasn't experienced you, that doesn't know 
who you are will come to know you. That they will experience your love, experience your grace, experience your forgiveness for the first time. And that they can then walk in the spirit and experience what maybe so many of us are experiencing. That we have the spirit to lead us and guide us and show us your ways, Lord. God, and for many of us, I pray that we constantly get out of our comfort zone and constantly move forward in our spiritual journey. That, that receiving your spirit, that following you and taking that first step isn't the only step. That you offer so much more. You offer life abundantly. You offer something that we would never expect. Like the, like the beggar, he came expecting just a little, just a little, just something small, and received the greatest gift he could ever receive. Pray that we expect more, that we have this expectancy of you, that you will move, that you will be faithful in our obedience, because you are. I've seen it. God, just move in a mighty way this morning move throughout the week, move in everything that we do, whether that's just driving in the car, listening to music, at work, at school. God, move in a way that only you could move and lead us to do things that only you would have us do. It's in your name we pray. Amen.